And it's so interesting because these issues have been feminized in such a way that not only has there been less research on boys and men, although there's plenty, um, but there's just much less public discourse about body image among boys and men. And then what seems to happen is that boys and men feel like these are not issues that are relevant to them and they can't talk about it. So it's this sort of weird circular thing that happens. Hi, I'm Sandy Fowler, and you're listening to Mighty Parenting, a podcast where we explore parenting in a way that helps us and our kids find more happiness and fosters emotional wellness, even while solving problems with our teens and young adults. We learn through advice and stories from experts and other parents, and I'm so glad you've joined us. So welcome to Mighty Parenting, where we have real, raw, and relevant talk about raising teens and parenting young adults in today's world. A quick tip from Trumi. As parents, we fear our kids making mistakes. We don't want to see them hurt, disappointed, or have them miss out on an opportunity due to making a mistake. And the older they get, the bigger the stakes and the greater our fear. And yet, the way that they learn is through those mistakes. So think back to your own mistakes. Who would you be now if you never made those mistakes? Right? Those are important. They're part of how we learn and who we become. So let your kids make mistakes. When you see something happening, just take a deep breath or two or 10, whatever you need to do, and let them learn. When it comes to technology, the same is true. Our kids need to learn how to live safely with technology. So Trumi has created a safe smartphone that grows with your child right through their teen years and beyond. In fact, my 26-year-old is experimenting with mine right now. You can learn more at Trumi.com and use the code MIGHTYPARENTING, all in caps, to get $50 off your smartphone order. And if you want to know more about my thoughts on using Trumi to help you in your parenting, pop me an email at connectatmightyparenting.com and I'm happy to share. Our conversation today is with Dr. Charlotte Markey. She is a world-leading expert in body image research, and she has spent 25 years studying body image, eating behavior, and weight management. She is the author of Being You, the Body Image Book for Boys, among other books. And Dr. Markey is passionate about understanding what makes us feel good. And she's here today to share her wisdom and insights with us so we can help our boys feel good in their bodies. Charlotte, welcome to Mighty Parenting. Thank you for having me. So we were chatting before the show and I I started to say that I was so excited about having this conversation geared around boys because we've had a few of these conversations on the show and everybody's talking about what happens with our girls and that's important. And we'll link to some of those episodes in the show notes. However, this is there has to be an issue there for boys. I look at, I don't even have sons, but I look at what's in the media and all the places that our girls are getting messages. I feel like the messages are different for boys, but they're just as strong. Is that true? Absolutely. And it's so interesting because these issues have been feminized in such a way that not only has there been less research on boys and men, although there's plenty, um, but there's just 
much less public discourse about body image among boys and men. And then what seems to happen is that boys and men feel like these are not issues that are relevant to them and they can't talk about it. So it's this sort of weird circular thing that happens that there's not the public discourse. And then what happens when you're worried or you're concerned and you're a boy, you're afraid to bring it up. It's not supposed to be relevant to you. And it's already a sensitive topic. I would think. And again, we're talking, I would think a lot of the changes during the teen years are part of the problem because they're trying to deal with that. And so what are our boys thinking about and facing as they're going into their teen years or going through their teen years and dealing with these changing bodies? Yeah. I mean, puberty isn't quite the problem for boys as it typically is for girls because puberty makes boys taller, their shoulders are broader, their voice is deeper, right? They're more manly. And that's sort of the ideal that they see around them. So some of those changes are really just positive for boys, but they still are getting used to a new body. They're still dealing with pressures at school. They're still dealing with trying to fit in with their peers. Um, and they're still dealing with a sort of media environment that's just on steroids these days. So they are still feeling pressure to not just experience, you know, normal development, but then to also be muscular and basically superheroes. And that was one of the things everyone talks about, oh my gosh, Wonder Woman's costume or this, or that, but it's the same thing for the guys. And so what are our boys telling us that they are feeling around the media that they see? It's really interesting because when I've talked with boys, they very often will say like, well, I don't have any body image issues. And then I start asking them like, oh, well, you know, do you exercise? Oh yeah. I go to the gym every day for two hours. Oh, okay. Um, well tell me about your eating habits. Well, I don't eat carbohydrates. Um, I really just eat mostly meat and, um, I use this protein powder and, you know, it's like, they start telling me these things that make it actually very apparent that they're very concerned about their appearance in particular in trying to bulk up or gain muscle. And so it's really interesting that they don't often identify that as a body image concern. And yet it can manifest in really maladaptive ways because I'm not really convinced that any adolescent or young adult who isn't a professional athlete needs to spend this much time or energy or mental space thinking about their muscles. Is that the biggest thing for them is just that they want to be more muscular? I mean, I would say it's the biggest thing that comes up the most, but what's interesting is that the ideals for boys right now is it's still lean and muscular, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not just big. Um, And, you know, there is a parallel here in terms of what girls experience, which is they're supposed to be lean, but, you know, have a full breasts and boys are supposed to be lean, but really muscular. And you know, these things don't actually naturally tend to go together, like in the wild, in the real world. (laughs) And so 
um, in order to be like really lean, but really muscular, uh, like they see celebrities or influencers online looking, you know, that would really require a certain sort of regimen that is pretty impractical for normal people to adhere to. And in fact, even celebrities will come out and say, guys will come out and say, you know, before I did whatever movie that I was a superhero in, I had this really, you know, six hour long everyday gym regimen for two months. And now I don't do that anymore. Right. Like it's not even sustainable for people we think are the ideal body. Um, so, and people who it's their job, right. That's their job. That's what they're spending their day doing. Whereas our kids, their job is school and friends and work and life and family. You know, they, they have, I guess their job really is school, right? They're spending all their time there, not in the gym. Yeah. This is a point I love to make to both boys and girls and men and women even, right? Like be really careful who you're comparing yourself to and what you're trying to achieve because the people we're looking at as like our role models, oftentimes that is their job is to look good. And I'm not saying that the rest of us shouldn't care about how we look. I I think it's very normal to care, Um, but it's not our job. Right. As you said, there's so many other things that make our lives rich and really full. And I think it's actually really sad to think about young people spending so much time and energy focused on their appearance only. Like we want more for them. Yeah. So we briefly mentioned so the, the idea of oh, social media or media. What what is really influencing our boys? What is making them think to be valuable, you need to be shaped like this? I think social media is a big part of it. And we have more and more social media research suggesting um, the possible negative effects for both boys and girls. Um, I think we have to be really careful not to completely demonize social media, um, especially during the pandemic social media and other online platforms have been really important for young people in terms of connecting with their peers and even going to school and, um, and just getting information. So they often get bad information, but there's, there's a lot of exchange of information and community from social media. So I like to say that because I think, especially in the body image literature, the focus is always very negative, right? That, that we're um, seeing body ideals that are unrealistic. And that is true. And that is negative. But Um, That's not to say there isn't something good that also can come with social media use. Um, So social media is important, but even just, you know, friends, a lot of the boys I interviewed when I was working on being you, you know, they started going to the gym because their friend went and it's sort of social and that may be really healthy if it's, you know, moderate, it's not for hours every day. Um, But a lot of times just other people on their social network um, are pretty important as well. So it's not just the media, it's people around boys um, and and they get messages from their family member, you know, growing up hearing that it's important to not be a wimp or that they need to man up, right? That's not specifically telling a young boy, like you need muscles, but it's actually not that far off. Like that gets translated pretty quickly as boys become adolescents into like, well, to not be a wimp or to be a man, I need to look a certain way. I need to look strong. 
So it sounds like the body image issues actually possibly tying into this whole way that we frame, have framed men in society. Yeah, absolutely. It's not just about looking a certain way. It's about being a certain way. And it's about mental health more generally. It's about how boys and men connect with other people. Um, And as I said, you know, this became really immediately apparent to me when I was interviewing boys and they just had a hard time communicating about these issues or admitting that these were concerns. Um, And it made me kind of go, oh, wait a second, we got to take a huge step back here, right? I thought we could jump in and start talking about some of this, but we need to just talk about our feelings and communication and why it's okay to be vulnerable sometimes. And, um, you know, in interviewing girls, we didn't have to step back that far. Girls communicate about these issues a lot more and they're socialized that it's okay to have feelings. Yeah. Well, they're also socialized to, it's actually in the media, in social networks, like that is something that is considered female. Right. Exactly. To talk about your feelings and, and your body and your body image. That's something that women are kind of programmed to talk about, which for good or bad, but that'll be another day. (laughs) Right. So, so our boys aren't, they don't think that they can talk about their feelings. They don't feel like they can communicate with us. So as parents, what, what can we be doing to help them to have a good, strong, healthy body image? Well, I think we need to normalize communication about these issues, right? So we got to start kind of at square one, which is, um, you know, to be supportive, of course, um, but to also just say, you know, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Is there, I noticed that you haven't been eating bread. Is there a reason for that? <laughs> um, do you think that it's a good idea to go to the gym every day after school? Is that affecting your schoolwork or, or why are you doing that? Right. So I, I know, you know, probably better than anyone that oftentimes the best inroad to having these conversations is just to ask questions, to be curious and to get boys talking about these issues um, so that it feels more normal, right? So that we open the door um, to have more conversations in the future so that, you know, the first time you talk about something, it can feel so awkward. And then the second time it's less so. And, and I think that's just really important. So it's just start opening these conversations. This isn't a talk. I'm doing your quotes here. So this isn't a talk we need to have with them. This is just be interested in them yeah. and, and in not only their body, but just feelings and communication. So what I'm hearing is if, and if maybe we're not ready to jump into that in, in the deep end of the pool, that's okay too, because this isn't one conversation. So we can even just start with, okay, the, the ubiquitous, how was your day? And did anything interesting happen today? Did anything different happen today? And if they're like, no, no, well, how do you feel about that? Like, is 
is that nice and comforting? Is it boring? What do you feel about that? And just kind of start there and just having general feeling conversations will, will be kind of an inroad. Is that what I'm hearing from you? Yeah, I think it's a great place to start. And, you know, I always say when there are potentially awkward or even just really important conversations we want to have with our kids, don't set it up as one conversation, right? I feel like no kid wants to be lectured about whether it be their body or what they're eating or sex or whatever, right? Um, It's almost like you have to sneak it in and you're going to have much better luck if you just sneak it in here and there. And it's almost like they don't know what's happening and it doesn't have to be contrived on our part always either. Right. It can just, I mean, sometimes it's contrived. I'll admit, sometimes I will purposely think, Oh, I saw that ad and it made me think of this and, or that news story. I'm going to mention that at dinner tonight and see what the kids think about it and just use that as the starting point to mention whatever, you know, Um, And I find that is a great way to do things too. As much as, as parents, we tend to bash the media and the things on TV and the news, they are great fodder for having conversations. And our kids, I feel like kids tend to open up more because we're not talking about them or somebody they know. So they can kind of let loose with whatever they think. And it's, it is helpful or, or I'll just make passing comments. We'll be out shopping and I'll make a comment about, we're talking body image and make a comment about the cover on the magazine. Like, do you think a human being can actually look like that? And then I have two girls and they're already sick of hearing. And I, I can't remember who the supermodel was, but I just remember years and years ago, I was, had the TV on for a little bit and I think it, might've been on an Oprah show and there was a supermodel on there and they were talking about body image and some of the things that happen in our culture. And she said, like, even, even a supermodel, they were Photoshopping her body. She's like, I do not look like this. That is not what I look like. And then I, the other one, my kids are tired of hearing about is Kate Winslet. I'd heard years ago too, that she actually put a clause in her contract that does not allow people to Photoshop her thighs. She's like, this is me. If you want me, you get all of me. You don't get to cut off parts. <laughs> yeah. and, but, but having those conversations and I know my kids heard me because now, as soon as I start, they're like, we know mom, we know mom. And so then we laugh about it and I'm like, yeah, you know, I can't help it getting senile or whatever. I just keep repeating myself. But it's still bringing it up and it's reminding them that these things are not real. So when it comes to, since boys are communicating differently around this, does it seem like that's still a good tack? And, you know, just like, is it dropping comments about like, do you think a human being can really look like this or with the superheroes, right? How much do you think that costume is not actually them, you know, that they're not actually filling out or that they're being scrunched down? Do you feel that those kinds of things would be impactful with our boys? Absolutely. And the great thing is that adolescents are so in touch with popular culture that it's always a great conversation starter. And we are not always. So sometimes this does, you know, 
require a little bit of homework, or if you just happen to see something on, you know, a magazine cover, I think it can be a great place to start and say, you know, I actually read that in order for whoever to be in the latest Marvel movie, they had to go on this like crazy diet and they were only eating whatever. Um, what do you think of that? Would you, would you ever be willing to do that? And if they say like, oh yeah, if I was in a Marvel movie and say like, well, but do you really think that's healthy? Um, you know, do you think that that's a good idea for people to change their habits that much? I find it kind of concerning. I don't know, mom, you're just exaggerating or, you know, you're just making too much of it. Well, I just really want you to think about what it means. You know, does that mean like so much time you have to spend on going to the gym instead of like with your family? You know, like if it was you, I'd rather you spend time with us than at the gym. Right. Um, And they often are listening when they act like they're not. Right. So it's hard to know exactly what you say that it will resonate and that they'll remember. Um, but I think it's just really important to sort of drop these little comments in when you can and ask the questions, get the conversation going and make sure that boys are understanding how unrealistic these standards are for them as well. And that that's not what we want for them, that we see their lives being more meaningful and richer if they pursue um, you know, other avenues, right? That they that we don't want them just being a gym guy who, you know, has a really strange diet to maintain um, whatever physique, right? We want them to have meaningful relationships with other people. We want them to be educated, to have a job someday that they really enjoy. Um, You know, these are big picture things. Um, But I think it's important that kids start to understand that you you make choices as you get older. How are you going to spend your time? How are you going to spend your energy? What do you value? And that we share some of our values with them as well. And that in sharing our values, we make it really clear. It's, you know, how you look is just one very small part of who you are. And you have mentioned a couple of times diets eating what, what they're eating and, and how the boys tend to think, oh, I need to eat lots of protein and that. And in your work, you talk about intuitive eating. So can you share just briefly what, what is intuitive eating and how can we teach our boys about that? Yeah. So, I mean, most of us are born intuitive eaters. I mean, we're all born intuitive eaters because, um, we're basically, unable to communicate verbally. And, you know, we try to signal as infants to caregivers that we need food, right? When we're hungry. And as we grow up, even in um, our early school days, we become less intuitive typically because we're dealing with um, a social schedule, right? You have to eat breakfast before you go to school and there's a set lunchtime and there's this, you can only eat what was packed for you or what's in the cafeteria or what your mom makes for dinner, right? So there's all these sort of social constraints. And then we also start to learn a lot of food rules from our culture. And those food rules are definitely culture specific, right? Whether it be certain kinds of foods you eat at certain times a day, or um, you shouldn't eat before you go to bed, 
um, which is just kind of a made up food rule, of course. And um, so we start to internalize um, all of these rules and all of these schedules surrounding food. And we, we tend to sort of lose touch with like, well, what do we actually like to eat? What makes us feel good? Um, when are we actually hungry? When are we satisfied? Um, and so intuitive eating is trying to sort of bring us back to like the, the infant in us and, um, and to focus a little bit more on those things. It's, it's of course impossible to separate ourselves from some of the social norms that surround us and some of our schedules and things like that, but it, we can eat more intuitively and enjoy food and, and worry less about food if um, we aren't so focused on these sort of made up social rules. Um, and so that's really, there's a lot of great research that's been coming out in the last few years to suggest that as opposed to any kind of diet plan, um, what we want to be encouraging young people to do is just get more in touch with their own bodies. And I think this ties in great for teens because part of the teenage growth cycle is to rebel against authority. So again, as we are being curious, which is a big thing at Mighty Parenting, is us learning to keep our mouths shut and just ask questions with honest, open curiosity. So it would be, like you said, if you see that they're just like they're eating almost all protein or whatever, and, and just that, I've noticed this, what's up with that? Well, what makes you think that? How do you think they know that? you know, and just kind of going down that vein and taking what they say and, and asking more honest questions and then maybe bringing up, well, have you heard of intuitive eating? What do you think about that? And when you get into this idea of, yes, there's a lot of protein around bodybuilding and yet athletes will talk about carb loading. So you can go, well, how do you know what your body needs at each different time? So maybe if we just listen then our body will tell us, but I have to, I have to say, Charlotte, um, our family is taking a whole new step with intuitive eating and logistics, which is kind of what you were touching on there, right? We know family meals are important. We, we can't have, you know, three, four five, six people eating different things all the time. I, I was wondering if you have any tips for families to eat intuitively together. It can be tricky. It's, it's complicated. I mean, everything about parenting is complicated. So, um, <laughs> you know, this, but I think as parents and maybe even especially as mothers, we feel like part of our job is feeding our kids. Right. So we really spend a lot of time and energy, especially when they're young, but still as they get older, making sure that we have certain things in the house or we're making certain things and, and really sort of having some control over what they're eating and what intuitive eating for our kids requires is giving up a lot of that control. And it's hard because that control usually comes from a very good place. It comes from a place of love. Like this is what I do because it means that I love you. And it's my way of trying to be a good parent to you. And so we have to kind of step back and say like, well, you know, the, the typical kid thing to do is it's like, you're trying to make dinner and they come in as you're making dinner for a snack. And I usually will say like, listen, it's going to be dinner in a half hour. Um, 
you can have a snack if you want, but you might want to wait. Right. Um, or we joke that my kids often have second dinner. They don't always, always eat a lot of what I make. And then they have second dinner like two hours later. Um, and that used to really annoy me, but I've really come to appreciate that it's them being more in touch with their own bodies. And like, maybe they weren't that hungry at six o'clock or maybe they were, but they're hungry again. Right. So that's the other interesting thing about really bringing intuitive eating to adolescents who are going through puberty is that they have bigger appetites. They're growing. Right. So oftentimes it's not unreasonable for them to go have another meal. Um, and so I think what that means for us as parents is just kind of like letting it happen and not taking it as a personal affront to our role as a parent. Um, and it doesn't mean we can't require, or at least, you know, urge some family mealtime, um, say like, well, you have to sit down and eat. I know you just ate, but would you please still sit down with us for 10 minutes at least? Um, cause we want to talk with you and have time with you. Um, but you know, it's, it's so much about parenting, I think is also just learning almost how little control you actually do have. And this is just one more example of that, I think, where um, trying to be restricting or trying to sort of navigate everything about what our kids eat becomes less and less feasible and frankly, less and less healthy probably as they get older. So um, it can just be really important to, to step back. And this does a couple of things too, though, is one, it builds that trust because as we step back, we're saying, I trust you to make your own decisions. I think you've got this. I know you've got this. So I think that actually builds connection and relationship. The other thing is, as you were talking about family meals is, yeah, we can, we can sit there and go, oh, well, we need to have family dinner together. Well, ask ourselves, what's the purpose of family dinner? And you got right to the heart of it is we want to connect with them. It's not that we need to sit there and see them eating. It's that we want to connect with them. And so I know we've done that more so like around breakfast. Cause I have one who just doesn't like to eat until she's been up for usually several hours. So I just said, you know, you want to get yourself something to drink, get a cup of tea or a glass of water or something. And just like you said, come sit down with us. And sometimes we've said, you know, come sit down for 10 minutes. And, but even that it's not about a time frame. but if I, if she kind of balked at it, sometimes I'd be like, you know, come on, 10 minutes, you can hang with us. And then she realized that this was not about an inquisition, that this was just literally to sit and to have some conversation as a family together. So we need to, we need to be thinking about what do we want? What, what is our goal when we ask for something and what do we want for our kids? And what you've told us is those are the same conversations we want to have with them is asking them, like, what do you want? What are your goals for yourself? Why are you doing these things? What's important to you? So I love that these conversations tie into everything else that we've been hearing from experts because we keep getting back to this, you know, be curious, be open with your kids um, and really talk to them about this. So Charlotte, for listeners who are going, this is really intriguing. I want more. Where can they find you? Yeah. So the body image book for boys, um, is out and you can go to just www.thebodyimagebookforboys.com. Um, and there's lots of information there as well as a link to ordering the book, um, and a link to the book for girls, which is already available and you can get on the body image book for girls.com. 
Um, so I'm pretty easy to find, I think. Okay, great. Thank you so much. And thanks for taking time to bring our attention to this issue for our sons. So we know that this is happening and we can start opening this up for them and help them get a better body image. Absolutely. I think it's, it's surprising in some ways and not in others that parents don't always appreciate that our boys are thinking about this a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And mighty parents, thank you for being here. Remember if you're here, if you're listening, you are a mighty parent, you got this and I will see you next week. Mighty Parents, thank you for joining me for this episode of the Mighty Parenting Podcast. If you're ready for more, visit MightyParenting.com where you can get your free email series, How to Talk to Your Teen, with tips for communicating with your teen in a way that builds connection and communication. And of course, remember to share the podcast with another parent to support them on their parenting journey.